Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today I am joined by Val Kadayev. Super excited to have you on the show, Val. You are quite the serial entrepreneur, and I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time now. So super excited to dive into your story. Thanks, man. Great to be on. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. So, you know, as I just mentioned, I you are quite the serial entrepreneur. You've you've been at this for for quite some time. And again, I, I've been following you on Twitter, and I know one thing that you talk about is being a bootstrapped founder and growing to over a hundred million across exits and, and revenue. And I, I want to start off by saying, you know, for the people that might not know your story or follow you on Twitter like I do, where do you spend your time today? And then how did you get started in this whole world of business and entrepreneurship? Yeah, sure. Um, so today I'm spending, so I have a holding company and I have a number of different companies. Um, most of them I either co-founded or got really early on as a, um, with a, with a, let's call it a uh, controlling stake. Um, and um, so, so that's one thing I have in my portfolio is kind of all these companies and I have amazing um, CEOs um, operating all of them. So I don't have to spend a lot of my time. Uh, but where, where I spend most of my time today is a company called Jocalio, which is um, essentially I'm trying to build a backbone for the independent jewelers, which is a massive, massive um, market that is uh, very fragmented. But um, so we're trying to fix that and build a backbone for that industry. So that's where most of my time is spent on today. Um, you know, if you want to go back to how things started, uh, yeah, where did where did this journey begin? And, and we'll definitely dive into the new company. But for you know, you you've co-founded and have operating stakes in so many different businesses. What was your first business, and what led you down the path of entrepreneurship? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, it kind of came, I'll be honest with you, it came a little natural to me. Um, so I started early my first business. Well, actually, my first like somewhat of a real business was uh, a content site. I had this like little website called PlayStation. Today, it seems little, but back then I had something like 20,000 DAUs a day. Wow. DAUs. And, um, you know, and that's like late 90s was when I started it. Uh, I think I was 16 years old or so, 17 years old. And, um, I mean, that's like when I just got my computer for the first time, I never had a computer before I was, I believe 16 years old is when I got my computer. Um, so it started from there and then kind of the dot-com bu uh, bubble burst, uh, that website, I didn't know how to generate revenue. It lost 90% of its revenue because all, all the kind of like the ad networks lost all the advertisers. So I had to yeah. scramble and figure out how to generate revenue. All the traffic that I had was generating nothing. So I learned how to sell ads, and then I realized that those same ads um, I could I needed more inventory for. One thing led to another. I you know I kind of start selling those ads on other websites that are bigger than mine, and then like it eventually led me to search advertising, which was an unknown category. This is like before Google was a thing. Um, so that that was my first really successful business that um, where I generated like a real big profit. I did it all out of my parents' basement. Wow, um, and That's so um, cool. Yeah, so that's kind of like where and that that like I was lucky enough that that allowed me to uh, invest into my other businesses uh, one after another. So I never had to raise money, you know, and I was lucky to be able to bootstrap each one of my companies. I think that's such a powerful thing, especially in today's age, right? And, and also in today's market, right? Like founders that can be scrappy and not have to go raise capital. In my opinion, I think it's such a it's a powerful thing for founders to go through and you learn to work with less and actually, uh, again, you, you're scrappy and you have to make it work. And, you know, when, when you were getting the game of business, I think nowadays, especially with Twitter, right, you see all these 
companies raising these massive rounds, especially 2020, 2021. Um, what was your idea on venture capital? Because I know you preach so much about bootstrapping your businesses and that's been your journey. But getting the game of business, did that has that even ever crossed your mind or has that been, been an avenue that you wanted to pursue or was bootstrapping always your, uh, you know, your game from the get-go and you've never looked back? Look, when I started, I didn't know what's a VC or raising money means. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff. I was a, I was a kid, right? Yeah. So it was never a thought-out process. It was, you know, it was, again, I started, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so VCs weren't, like, a thing. I mean, I, I knew that were VCs only because once the dot-com, um, yeah. like, tech, tech companies started showing up on, you know, going public, you kind of start seeing so who's backing all those companies. But I, I, I always thought I was like, hey, that's, like, for the big boys. I was, you know, that's not for me. Um, so I never really, really never thought about the, that as a concept for me, at least to, uh, rely on, to, to build my business. And then later on, it's just, uh, you know, as I started every other, every business, yes, I started thinking about, Hey, should, <clears throat> should this be the business that I take, take on some VC money? And every time it was like, Hey, well, you like, you're used to you know, operating a certain way. Um, you know, unless, unless absolutely necessary, let's, let's, uh, Let's put uh, let's put my money where my mouth is and put my own you know my own capital on the on the risk uh, yeah. my own capital on the line and uh, you know risk it all the way and uh, so that's kind of like what I've done since so far I haven't had to raise VC money but you know there are there I don't want to say I don't want to speak against it because there are, I think there's some ideas out there that are just too big for any one individual to finance. And even if you're successful, I mean, there are plenty of opportunities out there. There's just no way I have, you know, the deep enough pockets to finance. So I just haven't had the need for that yet. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, again, that's my personal situation, but I love doing it. I love the control of it. And I love being able to kind of control my own destiny. And uh, so that's, you know, to some degree, it's a preference as well. Absolutely. No, I, I love that perspective there. And, yeah, you know, I, I want to talk about, this idea of having a portfolio, as you said at the beginning of this conversation, you have incredible CEOs running these different companies. What was that process going from, you know, working in the business to now working on businesses, finding CEOs to run these organizations? And, you know, what have you learned through that process? Because that is A, not easy, but B, you've been doing this for quite some time now. And I would love to dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, today I have, uh, three CEOs who operate three different companies, like, again, bigger parts of my portfolio. And, you know, the the first one, he, he's actually a co-founder, um, although I was CEO of that company first, and uh, but that was at a time I was actually CEO of three companies at once. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so I was a, I was a CEO, CEO of... In, so what, you got to think about this? this. I went from working from the basement, right, building a pretty successful yeah. business, and then starting a company and then spinning off two other companies off of that. And that I ended up being th CEO of three different companies with three different sets of shareholders all at the same time. Wow. And at one point, you know, somebody came along and decided uh, wanted to acquire two of those companies at once because two of them were like music related. And um, yeah, for, for those that may not know, I'd love to just quickly recap. Like, what were those three companies when you were CEO of all of them? Were they aligned across different verticals or, or what were they? So, yes. So, okay. So the first business I started was the whole um, paid search advertising business, right? Uh, I never saw that business that kind of like kept going. And then once I came across uh, my second business, which was um, 
essentially promoting premium content such as ringtones. Uh, you know, if you ever looked up ring uh, lyrics and then like came across a ringtone ad, I was probably like, I had a monopoly on that in 65 countries. <laughs> and we, we were in front of a half a billion people every month, just pushing ringtone ringtones wow. uh, across all these sites. It was, it was a huge success, very profitable. I mean, we had a, um, we generated over $10 million in our first year of uh, profit. And uh, I mean, I mean, at first I was uh, doing it alone, and then I kind of um, merged somebody into my into in, into my company, and ended up being just uh, the six of us, essentially, or seven of us with a developer um, that we built this uh, whole thing. And um, so that kind of spawned. So that's kind of like the, the ringtone music content space, right? Yeah. And very quickly, about a year into that, we noticed two trends. So one trend was mobile. We're talking about 2009. We realized that like all these smartphones start popping up and that's a whole different ball game when it comes to advertising. So we launched a, a mobile advertising network um, at the time. And this is before like the iPad existed. Like, I forgot which iPhone came out, but that was, that was like back in the days of probably the first iPhone that came out probably. And so that was MobileFuse. So that MobileFuse I have a co-founder in. That's the company that's around today. And that's like we have like 100 people. It's probably going to be, you know, it's very successful as a business and yeah. has like fortune 1000 companies as clients. The other business we spun off was I looked at all those um, uh, music sites that were, were on our network that compri um, comprised of uh, 500 million people every month. I looked at those sites and like the ads we would take were like these little text ads promoting ringtones. But I looked at all everywhere else and what I saw was uh, display advertising space largely taken up by Google. Like, and it was just, just, just these like, ugly text ads uh in big boxes yeah i was like man this is not a great experience right so I, so I, I, we figured like hey what, what what would happen if we take all these sites all or at least all the best sites um we legitimize them because a lot of lyric sites that uh, were at the time not licensed properly or not weren't mm -hmm. licensed frankly speaking and we said okay hey we're gonna make you all this money um if you get your content licensed properly we're going to take your content now um, to brands and, and package it up as one as one selling, right? So we have, we have one media kit, which is Tone Media, which is the name of the company that we, yeah. we spun off. And Tone Media would represent all these music sites that uh, we, we would sell. So we, we, and we sold it to like Pepsi's of the world and Pepsi ran a Super Bowl commercial with us. Um, so it was like really exciting. We, we, we single-handedly actually turn the lyrics category, which is the second biggest category of uh, biggest searched category. I don't, know if, I don't know if a lot of people know this. The biggest search category after sex is lyrics. Wow. Um, at least it was at the time. I don't know if that's still the case today. It might still be the case, but that's the biggest category. And it was fully unlicensed. No lyric sites was licensed at the time. The content wasn't licensed. That's why all the owners were like in... Russia, Romania, China, all these yeah. places you can't touch the, the, those uh, owners. And so we single-handedly legitimized that whole space. Wow. And today, if you go to any literary site, it is licensed and it's paying uh, royalties to publishers and, and songwriters. Uh, and that's actually, I don't think I ever kind of really said it that way. Yeah, that's a very, that's very that's, well said. Yeah, and, that, and that's, uh, that was a, it was a huge deal because like the, music industry was chasing these sites for like decades. I mean, they were trying to, they were trying to shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it was like a whack-a-mole game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So anyway, so 
the Tone Fuse spun off Mobile Fuse and Tone Medium, and then I sold Tone Fuse and Tone Medium all in one shot. And like I stay on, I stayed on with a new owner for a bit. And uh, next, you know, I decided to retire. So I went from being a CEO of three companies to zero, all in one shot almost. And um, yeah, so and then kind of got you know bored and after three years of doing that, uh, and then launched the, the current company that I'm running today. But uh, okay. that that's kind of how like so the cool. The, the thing started. Look, I found these CEOs. Uh, yeah. Well, like and so how did, yeah, how did you find these CEOs? And, and, you know, coming out of just to regroup on this, this question here, you know, you, you sell these companies, you take, you retire, you take time off, you transition into that. Now you're finding qualified CEOs and, and running this holding company, but also launching this new company, Jacalio. Um, where, like, how do you spend your time now in terms of managing and also building at a new company? Because I think that that skill set learned over the years can be passed on to you know younger CEOs that may be looking to build a portfolio company or a portfolio of different companies one day. So I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, look, I, mean, I don't think there's a magic bullet for this, uh, you know, as an answer. Like for me, those three, uh, you know, the mobile fuse was, I guess, I, I was again, I was lucky to have a co-founder who was really smart, and I just handed, you know, we decided to switch, you know, from me being the CEO to him taking over, and yeah. he's a really smart guy and has done an amazing job, you know, that growing uh, that company. Um, the fund management business that we have out in San Francisco uh, kind of came into that by accident a little bit because when I sold my companies, I needed to invest somewhere, and um, I really wanted to invest my money into marketplace lending. And, um, and that just kind of happened that I ended up going into a fund and then the fund was like very new, really liked the manager. And, but he, but I think he was managing it about a, for about a year at the time and had like maybe like 9 million on the, on the management. So I was like, Hey, Don, um, I'll put money in a bunch of money into this, uh, into your, into the funds, but I also want to buy into the business. I'd like, like a, like a real stake of it. Um, so I want to be a partner in this business. And so that's kind of how that happened. So he was already the CEO. So uh, and I'm not technically cool. co-founder, but but I'm I'm a you know a, a pretty big um, partner in the company since no, then. No, and I appreciate the perspective. I, I think just like understanding that getting involved deals and how things all work in different settings is, is very interesting, especially in my opinion. So I, I appreciate the insight there. I, I would love to talk about your new company. You know, you you talk about um, empowering independent jewelers through innovation at Jacalio. Yeah. What does that mean to you? And where did you see this opportunity because you know thinking back and hearing your story in terms of ringtones and being you know ad networks like you've seen a lot of things early and you've capitalized on these opportunities in many many different ways so what do you see in this uh this new market that you're now building in yeah so what i see is look i'm always looking for i love distribution right so when i when i looked at what i want to do next and i was like hey i, I kind of want to do something that's fragmented not like corporate America. I've done this like over and over, maybe not so much ad tech. Like, again, I've done that multiple times now, like advertising related businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to kind of help the independent, something independent, like, like small businesses. Right. So I came across the jewelry industry and I was like, man, that's a $300 billion industry, very fragmented, huge chunk of it is in the U S and a huge chunk of it in the U S is independently owned. Now, a lot of these stores are not like mom and pops. They're doing half a million dollars in revenue. They're actually doing five, 10 million, 20 million, $30 million um, uh, from each location. Um, so it was fragmented, but it was also kind of like they're big enough where they could afford to do what I need them to do together. 
So that's where the idea came from. It's like, hey, how, how do we build a distribution channel, but also um, to help and, and elevate that whole network of, um, or create a network of essentially these uh, stores so that we could help them go up against the majors. No, that, that's very cool. And so w- with that company, how do you think about, you know, launching a company, especially in, in this new different industry and understanding the, this massive opportunity? Like what's your game plan when launching a company? How do you go about it? Team building, culture, et cetera. Like how, how do you as a founder get ready to launch something? Because not only have you done it again successfully, but I think just understanding your perspective on that, would I would learn learn something from that and, and I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a good question, especially like in the jewelry industry where a lot of people um, in the industry are used to um, operating a certain way uh, and the cultures are just like a certain way. Uh, we really, we really kind of had to figure out how to bring a new set of, um, set of rules, but, but like how to do things differently. So I really wanted to figure out how to change um, the paradigm of, of this industry and like we had to question everything uh, why is something done a certain way because when you come into this industry and you hire all these experts uh, who've done this for decades and decades one problem that comes with that is they want to do a lot of times the same things they're used to doing for the last 30 20 30 years right yep and it's very hard sometimes to push back and say hey like well why like why it has to be that way you know well that's because it was that's the way it's done well let's you know then you have that conversation about well let's let's un, untangle that and you know see if there's a different way to do this, and you know look you're not always going to be right because sometimes there isn't no different way to do it just 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 for many reasons, but you you know half the times you do change things up and you do it differently and you know putting together a culture I definitely want to always have the right people not just the right people actually but like the positive people around us yeah. and around around the company. Uh, because no matter how good you are and like that, like negative energy always, um, hurts. Like, I, I know that I, I, I get, uh, I, I get dissuaded whenever some, you know, there's negativity and it just mm-hmm. it bothers me personally. And I don't want that in my company either. So that is definitely something I look at, um, in starting a new company. No, absolutely. No, I, I love that. And, you know, I, uh, I interviewed the one of the co-founders of Mad Happy today, which is a, a clothing brand and, you know, their brand stands for everything about optimism, positivity, and that. like that's their beliefs. And, they, you know, they've done some incredible collaborations over the years. And this is just top of mind because I, I had this conversation this morning. But I would love to hear, you know, some of your core values as a founder when when building a team, when looking for, you know, th- these different CEOs and core values that you are just a huge believer in that have led to your success in your mind. Yeah, look, um, one of the things that, kind of a common thread a lot of people that have worked with me um, is not necessarily um, for me to look at like Ivy League schools or like the education. Like, I mean, and we don't, don't get me wrong. We have people like that as well and they're amazing. Um, but I'm not like filtering for that. And, you know, I can tell you that our first developer, my first developer that, that I worked with in my uh, time of second business already, you know, I literally called him up when we had this conversation. He just went to college. I, I started working with him when he was uh, in high school and I found him on some like, um, on a forum, you know, like back, back when yeah. forums existed and I found him on a forum and he just started to start freelancing for me. And then he went to college and like a few months into his school, maybe a year into his school. I'm like, dude, you like school? He's like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you just come work for me? And he was in Wisconsin. I'm like, Hey, come, come on. You know, let's, 
I'm gonna you know, move to New York um, and you know come work for me. He's like, cool, let's do it. And he just quit. So like, I didn't wow. care. I never cared about the formal education. Uh, again, I think I started working with him when he was like 16, maybe 15 as a freelancer. Wow. Uh, so it comes down to like having people that it's easy to speak with. Like a lot of, you ever get that when you have people on your team that could finish your sentence or, or you know what you're thinking before sure. you even start, uh, you know, even started saying more than three words. Right. Yeah. And also like just so much easier to work with because you don't have to explain everything and, um, and detail everything. And that's like probably one of the parts where I'm, my weakness is like, I'm not great at putting it together presentations and PowerPoints and, um, documenting everything. That's not me. Like, I'm not like that, uh, organized. So having people like that around me that kind of get the vibe and understand what we're all trying to build, um, at least for me personally saves, saves a lot of time and kind of works out and, um, yeah, for the best. No, that, that, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I want to pivot and talk about something that has, you know, led to this conversation, which is personal brand, right? I, I've been following you on Twitter. I've, I, I read all your threads and you put out some awesome content just around everything, entrepreneurship, building businesses, your experience as an operator, as someone that has, you know, was the CEO of three different companies, has this awesome portfolio, currently launching a new company. How have you found time and why have you found time to build a personal brand and to just put out the content that you do, especially on Twitter, which is where I, I mainly follow you? Yeah. Uh, good question. You know, I was always under the radar, um, stayed away <laughs> from kind of putting out like content or anything like that. Uh, it kind of happened also by accident, you know, a lot of, like a lot of things in my, my life. I just kind of <laughs> roll with the flow. Uh, I think I've shared it before. I think I met Sam Parr and he kind of blurred something out on his podcast, kind of made a whole segment about me and uh, without checking with me, uh, which is a joke we, we keep talking about. Um, so that's kind of like the first time, you know, he, he kept telling me like, dude, you got to tell your story. You got to love your stories. You got to share them. Right. And a lot of people could really, um, use that knowledge to, and it would help a lot of people. So, and I didn't really take it seriously at first. And you know, one, one, one day I was like, Hey, let me try this thing. And he's like, write a thread, you know, I did it. Yeah. And I just took off and kind of, and I just, just started, I just kept going with that. You know, I was like, all right, let me just keep rolling with this thing. And look, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, it was really, uh, it's really hard to find time to do this. And it was really hard to find, find time to start in the beginning as well. Um, so it's, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't have an agenda to be honest with you. Yeah. And a lot of, like, I even get those DMs like, Hey man, like you must be full of it because who has the time to write their stories when you have all this money? Like I got stupid stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And and uh, it's true. Like, I don't really have an agenda. I'm just out there. Um, I don't have like, I'm not collecting leads. I mean, it helps once in a while. Like, you know, I'll, you know, you'll write a story about your fund management business. And all of a sudden, like my, the, the company gets a bunch of investors to reaching out to the company. Yeah. And my CEO, the CEO of that company is like, dude, we just got like 25 leads, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, from that thread you wrote. And that wasn't, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the, uh, the focal point of, of uh, why I do this, but that happens once in a while. Uh, you know, a lot of the stories that I, when I sold the businesses, I don't, that doesn't really mean anything in, in terms of yeah. business, but um, yeah, look, I mean, I just want to put out value there. I am in a situation where I'm blessed to be where I am and um, I don't really need much else. 
I'm doing this for fun. It's like a, it's like a it's like a fun game. And if I could share my knowledge and people could uh, learn from my mistakes or from my successes, then you know I did something good. I think. But uh, that's really the the only mo- mo- motivation. That's very great. And, and, and dude, thank you. So uh, thank you for following my content. Of course, no, absolutely. Your, your your content's so great. Um, and and speaking of you know the content itself, but more so the what led you to creating that content is the successes and the different stories. And I, I want to talk about, um, you know, the acquisitions in your life and how, how they've changed your mentality in terms of being a, from an operator to then working inside of a company, um, whether that's from a financial perspective or just from an operating perspective, like how, how did an acquisition change your life, your mentality on business and your workflow? And, and what did you learn from your first acquisition? So I only had one acquisition process that ended up selling two businesses, two companies yep. at once. Okay. So again, separate teams, separate shareholders on those two companies, but I sold them all to one company at all in one shot. All right. So I really never went through more than one. Well, I, I went through a, a process before that, uh, not before, after that, that uh, for another business that uh, they didn't finalize, didn't, didn't close out, I but I've, I only sold the, sold once and what i've learned is you know when you're running your own business especially smaller with a smaller team the it's very different compared to coming into an established business where you know especially usually those are bigger companies and like when i got acquired it was by a bigger company and uh you know they helped me they 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 asked me to stay on as a ceo of the advertising uh, division and you know, it was very different for me. Uh, you know, there's there's a bit more politics involved. Um, people, a lot more teams, a lot more people, and you kind of have different teams working on different things, and you're trying to find your your strength and put together the right team for you that will will um, get certain objectives met, but you know, to meet certain obje- objectives. Yeah. And so things are very different when you're working in a kind of corporate America, even if it's not a, like a huge co- corporation, uh, it, it's still, it's not the same as, you know, 20, 30 people, you know, versus 200 people, organizations yeah. can be very different. Totally. No, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, Cause I know we were jamming up before this, like my, my company that just got acquired, we were a team of eight, nine. And now the, the, corp- the company of our nation that we're working at is, just over like 300 so it's like yeah. completely different and it's a, that that learning process is has been real for me which has been very cool but um when it comes to the not only the personal brand but you know you you have this story you you talk to these different entrepreneurs in terms of the content you put out and it's inspiring what and i know you didn't have like an exact angle for content it came into your life just by accident what do you recommend for either founders starting out or experienced founders when finding time to create content and why have you continued to do it right when it comes to the impact that's one thing but like what fuels you from a content creation aspect because i've had lots of different creators on the show um but i, I think for every business owner that's creating content they they always have a different core reason as to why and in, in terms of the the value and, and what they're getting out of it so I, i'd love to hear that perspective from you yeah what drives me uh on the content side is like i said like you know just putting out the value there um you know the where do i get inspiration for a lot of the content it's uh look it's work 
Yeah. You know, I, you know, I definitely have some people helping me with kind of the research of the content and, but I'm very involved in the content itself, writing and editing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll spend time just making sure that, Hey, is this what I want to put out there? Um, you know, cause I'm trying to stay away from like anything con- too, too controversial, Although, you know, sometimes that happens. Uh, but also, but I also, I'm always looking for educational, right? Whether it's educational based on my past or educational because I learned something from somewhere else and I'm like, Hey, let me put this framework together and, and kind of like some of my, some, some of my mentalities that I, I use to build my businesses. So, I mean, that's what I want to stand for. I know for some other people, like it's, it's a, it's a valuable tool. Um, like I spoke, spoke to Alex Hormozzi, you know, for him, it's a great tool for lead generation because he's looking to acquire businesses all the time yeah. for, for his, um, for his uh, company. And, um, you know, and it's obviously blown up. Um, so, so, so I know it's a very powerful tool. Uh, yep. I'm probably just kind of scratching the surface on it. Um, but if I were to tell anybody something like, look, I, I don't, I, for me, it kind of worked from the, from the start. Um, you know, I put out something and it just took off. If, if it didn't take off, if my first thread didn't take off, I probably wouldn't be kept, keep putting time into it because, um, I, you know, I'm the person that tests something let's see how it goes and and then look at the results and maybe i'll test it again if i really feel like there might be i've done something wrong let me like let me iterate something but if 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 my first story went completely on deaf ears right i'm not in the business of creating content yep i probably would have said okay this is probably not like there's probably no interest in this right and you know i wouldn't be so so focused on it. Now, if you're in a business of content or, or, or your business um, could use content to generate leads and that's like an important engine for yourself or for your business, then you got to stay on it and you got to keep going. Just for me, it wasn't the case, right? So like if I failed my first try or my second try, I probably would have walked in because I have a lot of other yeah. things to do, um, you know, because this is not working. I, I find that so ironic because, you know, like the typical content path is like things usually don't work at the beginning and it's so funny because you know the type of person where you're if it wouldn't have worked you probably wouldn't have done it therefore it, it worked like a charm and you had something very impactful i, I think that's so great and, and so I, I think i had <laughs> i think in the first i don't know how, how old my twitter account is probably i don't know if it's eight years old or something but whatever like whatever number of years i've had twitter i think i had a thousand followers all those years and then the first and that's just from being around yeah. um and then that first thread that I posted got me like 12 or 20,000, I think like tw- close to 20,000 followers. Oh my gosh. The first thread. What so, <laughs> yeah, so it, it did all right. And, yeah. and so I decided to keep going. Um, That's so great. I, I love to yeah. hear that. Um, when it comes to your experience as, as an entrepreneur and, and looking back, you know, you got into this world of business at a very young age from, you know, these different, from, from uh, the, the gaming side of things, what advice would you give to yourself if you were restarting today, bootstrapping, don't have money? You know, this is your specialty. You've done it since the get. You're betting on yourself. For young entrepreneurs that are starting a business in 2023, especially with, you know, what's happening in the market and, you know, bootstrapping is a phenomenal thing to do right now, especially with all, everything that's, again, trend, like changing in the VC landscape. What advice would you give to yourself and then advice to uh, young entrepreneurs? And, and that can be the same thing. Who knows? 
Yeah, look, it's it's tough, right? There's so much more competition these days, but at the same time, there's so many more opportunities. So, you know, a lot of times you kind of think about it like, yeah, like, you know, I, you started it when um, there were there was less competition, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but at the same time, the opportunities were, were also very few. There were a lot le- less tech companies. There was a lot less audience. Uh, there were a lot less tools, a lot less information. There was nobody to talk to. So it's like, you know, there's a, there's a, I feel like there's a wash, right? And today, the opportunity, if you could come across the right opportunity, the ceiling is so much higher, uh, meaning you could reach so much more. You could generate so much more. You could generate so much value and, um, and reach so many more people today. Um, if I was, and I'm always, the way I always look at things, hey, where can I bring value to kind of arbitrage my time a little bit, but learn at the same time? And, you know, if I have certain things that I, I understand how to do, uh, start there. Right. Work on those, whether it's one or two clients, whether it's some your uncle or whoever, like just think about like what people always ask you to help uh, with, whether it's your friends, your uncles or your whatever. Um, and that kind of should give you direction um, what you're good at, plus what you like like to do, because it's hard mm-hmm. to do something when you're like, you know, liking it. Um, so so I would focus in that direction first. And if you could apply that to something that is very scalable you know, today you look at like TikTok and Reels on Instagram or, or YouTube Shorts, whatever, like just from content perspective, you know, I would focus on that just because there's just a vast amount of, uh, you know, audiences and uh, resources available that you could you could unlock and, you know, put things together. Like I always look for distribution also, yeah. right? So if I could find a bunch of uh, distribution, whether it's through influencers and maybe if you're good at creating brands or kind of creating interesting content on your own i was never good at creating content right so i would actually like to aggregate other people's content whether it's other websites or whatever like i was not that great at actually creating my own audience i was good at aggregating other people's audiences and then i would monetize them so it's not for everybody's a little different but um yeah, I mean, obviously, there's again, there's just like a huge, vast potential on places like TikTok today uh, that I think yeah. we still haven't seen all of what what's going to be done there. Totally, no, I, it's. I feel like it's. I've been in this social landscape for six years now, like putting out content and everything, and it just feels like every year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're just like, I've realized, wow, like this is not only a long-term play, but it's something that's just taking over in such a unique way right now over the last couple of years with shorts and all the short form content blitz that I would say is going on. But, you know, a couple yeah, more and questions. You're, and, you're, and this show, right? Like just perfect example. I think this show is part of a network, right? Yeah, it is. Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire. So I, I actually uh, spoke to the CEO or founder of Blue Wire. Um, Kevin. Kevin, yeah. Cool guy. Yep. A really great, smart guy. And that is the perfect example. Like he took a bunch of influencers, right? A bunch of podcasts. I yep. think they're heavily in the sports. Yeah, it's like ninety-five um, percent sports, and then yeah, small. And business I mean, that's segment. a perfect example. Like what I would, what I would personally do if I wasn't like the content. I was, I would aggregate. Everybody <laughs> else is great about creating content, like you know, like Casey and you know whoever doing sports. Get them together into one network. Get them, you know, get them packaged up because it's much easier to sell to brands. It's easier to create, right? Like, so that, that's a perfect totally. example how I view like the the how I view new opportunities and how I would put things together. So for me, it was it was, it was really cool. Uh, Kevin actually reached out, and um, that's awesome. I think he saw one of my threads as well on Twitter. 
love to hear very that. Interesting. Yeah, I, didn't, I never heard of Blue Wire okay. uh, before. Yeah, yeah Blue Wire is, I mean, you, you hit it right on the nail, right? It's like the aggregation, what they've done in sports, and then, you know, for them, it's like testing out different shows in business and these different segments of aggregation. I, I think it's it's very smart, and, and Kevin, he's, he's been incredible to work with. So, so actually, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to take too much time on this, but actually, I just remembered what, how I connected with him. I was in Vegas. I was staying at the, the Wynn. Yep. And I was there at an expo and I kept passing by something called Blue Wire. It was like a little studio. And I was like, what the yep. hell is Blue Wire? Right? Never heard of it. Whatever. And just, I came back. I think probably two days later after I came back from Vegas, I saw Kevin follow me. And he had, I think he had the check mark and I must, I must have noticed it. And I said, yeah. founder Blue Wire. I'm like, whoa, what a coincidence. <laughs> like the guy, and I don't know what the hell is Blue Wire. So yeah. we connected and I learned that it's actually this whole like network. Uh, they just happen to have a space in uh, at the wind. Yeah, no, it, it's it's beautiful. I, I usually I, I'll go out to the wind like every month or two. Just depends on schedule and like they have that beautiful studio as a as a podcaster part of the network. You can pop out there whenever, and it, it's been a great place to not only bring guests but you know it, it's you saw the studio. They partnered with the wind on it. They invested a lot of money into the production side of things there. So. I'm super yeah, glad super you, you you saw that, right? And and they've used that, right? Like for this network of, of aggregating shows, it's like such a value add for these shows that are part of the network for podcasters like myself that are looking to go to a beautiful spot to record. So uh, yeah, very, great perspective very for sure. And obviously makes a lot of sense with gambling, especially now, yeah. now, nowadays with sports and gambling. Very yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, a couple more questions before we wrap up, Val. Just looking into the future, 2023 and beyond what excites you right now and what opportunities um do you see in the market right like you you saw so many things early in life of course the the buzzer on ai everyone's hearing it and seeing it but what excites you nowadays and then what are you excited about within your own portfolio of companies look i'm usually not the guy to fall or go after like buzzy things right like to me web3 was kind of like a little too buzzy to be honest with you and I never really focused on that too much. Uh, I mean, there's been great applications, don't get me wrong, but I think it just kind of, a lot of applications were, or businesses were kind of being forced and just to put a Web3 moniker on, you know, just to be in that bucket, right? Yeah. Um, so I hate to talk about it, but this whole AI thing, uh, you know, the AI stuff is just, it is the one, like, I, I could get behind that, right? I think it's just way more than just buzz. And the reason I'm saying that is not because I keep seeing it everywhere on Twitter or content or social media, whatever. I'm seeing how it's penetrating my businesses. And it's not just penetrating from the perspective of, hey, Val, the founder or CEO, is pushing anything down on the teams to use. I'm seeing the teams kind of, and not just like the, the teams that report to me, but even lower down, are bringing that and say, like, hey, we could use like ChatGPT for this, and we could do, you know, we could use AI for this. Uh, so it's kind of taking taking off in a way I've never seen before in any of my businesses before. Um, nobody came to me talking like, hey, can we tokenize and put this on a on a blockchain, right? Like nobody's done yeah. that in any of our, of our businesses. I mean, we kind of it, it's always something that we would chat, uh, you know, me, my co-founder, maybe. Uh, maybe my C-level suite, like um, we would talk about, hey, like, you know, should we look, be looking at crypto or or, or uh, should we do anything with the blockchain? But again, it was like very top down, very high level. I've never seen anything like that, like AI penetrating from all sides of the business. 
um, and all, across all teams. So I think we're just starting to see the beginning of it. It's um, it's actually pretty exciting. Um, and again, I can't believe I'm like getting behind something that, that is buzzy. No, and it's a great perspective. It's yeah, a great perspective of like, it's the bottom up, right? It's like, you're not forcing this down in everyone's throat. It's, it's coming to you and you're seeing the impact of it. So it, you can't ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, I can't ignore it. And I can't, I have to say that's going to, that is the, uh, uh, it's going to shape the, you know, shape the industry is uh, our industry or any industry in, in for, for, for years to come. Uh, I, I totally agree. And that's, very, very uh, cool perspective hearing that in terms of uh, the, how the teams approach and how you've seen it. So with that being said, Val, I, I want to leave it open for you at the end to not only say thank you for coming on the show today, but where is the best place that the people listening or watching can stay connected with you, learn more about your businesses, and of course, you know, follow you on Twitter to get all the, the value that you put out on, on social yeah, I started actually putting out putting out videos on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, we'll probably push it out to YouTube Shorts as well. Um, so, so if you want to catch my video content, go to um, TikTok or Instagram. I'm, I'm there. Uh, you know, I'll I write all my stuff obviously on Twitter. So that is the uh, kind of like where you find the threads and kind of the longer formats. Um, so you'll you'll find me on any of those platforms. Awesome. And I'll make sure to, to link all that down below, Val. And with that being said, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. Really appreciate everything you do uh, and all the value that you put out. And, and your story is quite impactful. So I appreciate it so much. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Casey. Of course.